Hello, my friends. I'm Bronwyn Beth, and welcome back to The Misfit Musician, the podcast where music and mental health meet. Before starting today's episode, I just wanted to say something real quick. I am not often, I don't often talk about what's going on in the world on my platform because I know things are already overwhelming and I want it to be a space where you can come to just focus on your mental health without too much external factors playing a role there. But obviously the situation in Ukraine has been weighing really, really heavily on me, as I think it has for most people. Um, So I'm just going to put a link in the show notes to a place that you can donate if you are so inclined to help, um, yeah, to help the people over there who are going through absolutely horrific experiences. There's so much there, there's so much happening, and it's frightening and worrying, and it's hard to feel hopeless or powerless, but the reality is we all have some kind of power. We can all make a difference. So um, yeah, you can use that link that I'll put there to donate or do whatever you feel like is the best way for you to respond to this. Um, but I would just call all of us to some kind of action. All right, now on to the episode. So today's episode is talking about the interaction of music and grief. And I think this is a really appropriate topic for the time that we're in and some of the things that we're going through. And I think it's really interesting to think about the role that music can play in our grieving process. So I think that grieving is often seen as a bad thing or a negative experience, but I really like to think about reframing it as a beautiful thing because if we're grieving, that represents our amazing capacity to love. It means that we've had someone or something in our life that was worth loving so much that we're grieving its loss. And so I want to learn more about how we can grieve well and how we can grieve in a more healthy and complete way. I don't want us to cope with grief. I don't like the word cope. Because in my opinion, if we are learning, um, if, if we are coping with something, we are learning to exist with it like a thorn stuck in our side, rather than learning how to incorporate it into a full part of who we are as a human. And I think that's, that's really our goal here is for our grief to be able to be a part of us in a way that honors ourselves and honors the people that we love and allows us to live a full healthy life where we don't feel like we're having to ignore any of these feelings that we're having. 
And I, I think as a culture, I'm going to speak mostly from the American culture perspective because that's what I know, but I do think this is true in other places as well, um, just kind of as on a more global level right now. But as a culture, we are not comfortable with grief. And I think there's been times in history where grief, we are more comfortable expressing our grief because grief was more present in all of our lives in a very tangible way. Um, Like without Western medicine, people died a lot younger. Um, You know, you would be growing up with probably multiple siblings who had passed away and you know, maybe your parents died, maybe your mother died in childbirth. I I think we were more acquainted with grief in a way that we aren't now. So now death seems a little bit more distant. Um, And while sometimes that can seem like a good thing, I think there's an opportunity that we can fall into with that um, where we take life for granted. Because we feel a little bit invincible. We don't understand how fragile life is in the same way. So music with grief. Um, Humans have used music to express grief for a very long time. And I think music right now is an incredibly powerful way to experience our grief when we don't feel comfortable expressing it. Um, we might feel like we're being negative or down if we are in that place. Um, and sure, if, if you're grieving and you're depressed, you might not want to be around people, but I think there's also an aspect of when you're grieving really heavily, you feel like you don't want to be around people because you don't want to bring them down or something. You, you feel uncomfortable having those emotions while being around people who aren't in that same place. And it goes against this kind of perfect, quote-unquote, reality that we have fabricated in our Western society. Um, Somewhat related, so I, I follow a woman on Instagram whose entire page is dedicated to exposing the danger of beauty standards and helping other women kind of detox from them. And she told this story about when she was first starting to go through this process of detoxing from beauty standards, and she was in France, and she was talking to a friend of hers about how she didn't want to take the train because of, um, there was like a lot of body odor smells on the train, and she just wasn't really comfortable with it. And her friend's response was so interesting, and it was that Americans are trying to cover up their humanity. We're trying to smell like flowers and look photoshopped, and we spend a lot of money on getting our teeth to be perfectly white and perfectly straight. And it's this idea of kind of masking our our humanity, our lives, to be this perfect image. And I think, I think this relates to grief a lot because we shy away from messy, ugly, and painful parts of life in our, in our society. It's very, go on Instagram, it's very apparent. The issue with filters and with 
all, you know, all the reminders that Instagram isn't real life, those reminders are there because people don't tend to post about the things that are real life. We're posting the happiest moments. We aren't really sharing the darker ones. But those moments are, are just as much of our lives as the happy moments. And they help us appreciate the wonderful moments even more because we know what it's like when we don't have that. Like if all you ate was ice cream, ice cream probably wouldn't be as delicious and exciting anymore. So as we get a little bit more into this, I just want to say if you are grieving right now, I am so sorry for what you are grieving. And I see you, and even though I don't know your exact situation, I do understand the heaviness and numbness that grief can bring, and I'm here for you, and I want to support you in whatever way I can. All right, so I've been thinking about death a lot recently, and um, its relationship to life and the grieving process, and one of the books that I've read recently contributed to this. Um, it's a book called Heartwood by Barbara Becker, and it's about the art of living with the end in mind. And the heartwood, which is in the center of every tree, as the tree continues to grow, the very center of it eventually dies off. And so you're having this strong, solid core of dead tree uh, supporting and being supported by the living tree growing around it. And I think it's such a beautiful analogy to the way that we can view life and we can view death as contributing to each other in a way that brings us into a really full way of being, a full way of existing. I think grief can become really second nature. Um, we're so used to carrying it, but it can really inform the way that we live. And I think that's what this book was all about. And it was just highly recommend reading it. It's so good. And I want to read you a quote from this book. So Barbara says, The story of death can also be a story of the present moment. In the face of the hardest things we will experience, be as a boulder in a rushing mountain stream. Listen, take your time. The next move will emerge from the stillness. This is how we go forward, step by step, infusing darkness with light. One of the beautiful things about grief is that it gives us the opportunity to honor the legacy and traditions of the people who have gone before us. A very easy example is as a musician, a lot of times you are playing music by composers who have passed away. This is their art and their life and their story that they've put into musical form. And we are keeping that legacy alive by playing it and performing it. And I think that's really beautiful. Another idea along the same lines is that um, my violin, um, I named her Seathra. She's from 1875. And 
I love looking at her and thinking about all of the hands that have held this instrument and played it and cherished it before she got to me. And it makes me treat that violin with so much more care and respect because in some ways I feel as if I'm just a steward of this instrument and its journey and it's I'm caring for it until it passes on to someone else after me because it's life is most likely greater than mine. And we can think about our world in the same way. We're responsible for caring for our world so that, you know, my great, 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 great grandchildren will have a beautiful home. There's another book that I adore called Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer. And one of the things that she speaks about a lot is this idea of caring for our planet, for our earth, in a way where we are not owners of it. We are just taking care of it for whoever is coming after us. She says, until we can grieve for our planet, we cannot love it. Grieving is a sign of spiritual health. I'm just going to pause right there. Grieving is a sign of spiritual health. When do we ever think about grief that way? But it's so true. It means that you are experiencing the fullness of being a human, the fullness of your soul. So grieving is a sign of spiritual health, but it is not enough to weep for our lost landscapes. We have to put our hands in the earth to make ourselves whole again. Even a wounded world is feeding us. Even a wounded world holds us, giving us moments of wonder and joy. I choose joy over despair. So, so beautiful. So beautiful. If we refuse to live keeping death in mind, we won't be able to have that same perspective. We'll be holding too tightly onto life and we won't really be able to live. It's easier to become selfish when you don't recognize that fragility and impermanence of life. Right now, I think we're in a period of time where there is so much grief. As a community of the world, we are grieving incredible amounts of loss. There's collective grief right now over war and racism and COVID and homelessness, LGBT plus rights, you name it. There's so many things that we are grieving over. And we are also grieving for companionship and the loss of community. I think especially over the last two years because of COVID, so much of our already digital world became even more digital. And it has us so isolated and overbooked. We spend so much of our time in a reality that's not our present moment. And like we forget to live and then we're grieving that. I don't think we always know it but we're grieving these moments of life that are just passing us by as we are swamped with the next you know zoom meeting on phone call and email that we have to write so 
where does music fit into this? So music has been used to both express and experience grief for a really long time. I think a good example of this is for anyone who has studied Western classical music, um, requiem masses are music expressing grief. There are masses that are composed strictly to express or remember someone who has passed away. I was also researching some different traditions of grieving through music, and I found so many cultures with their own unique traditions um, around music in funerals or processionals or whatever, and it was so fascinating to read about not only how people are using music, but also the different kinds of music that are used in this way. One of my favorites was uh, the Dogon people from central, uh, southern central Africa. And the first part, I think there's like, I'm trying to remember correctly, but I think there's like four different parts to a traditional funeral. Um, and the first part is someone singing in celebration of the life of the person who has passed. And there's often a call and response element to that, which I just thought was so beautiful because not only is someone singing and expressing their grief, by having call and response, anyone else who is there, they are able to participate in experiencing and expressing their grief through music. They're having a conversation with each other through music about these really important feelings and emotions. Douglas McGregor is a musician who I just came across last week, and he started a project about exploring the power of music and guiding us through times of loss and grief. So his project is called Songs of Loss and Healing, and he has um, a website and an Instagram page. And on his website, he said, music can help you create your story, define your relationship to grief, and even turn your grief into something beautiful. So how can music do this? So to start with like the literal scientific explanation, um, I'm sure you all know about dopamine, the neurotransmitter that makes us feel good. So our bodies evolved to release dopamine when we would receive something that we needed to survive, like food or sex. It also does it with drugs. And interestingly enough, it happens with music. And I think it's so fascinating that we've evolved to have this response to music. And people are not entirely sure why that has happened. But some people think that it's because Music is a means of connection and communication within a community. And communities are so, so vital to human survival. So it helped individuals to survive when they were participating in music with other people because it meant that they had their community. So essentially, music has the ability to cause a state of arousal in your brain. So music is chemically altering our body and making us feel good. And because it's that dopamine reward when we can listen when we listen to music, um, music can actually become addictive, which is fascinating. And I'm not going to go more into it here, but definitely want to do a podcast episode on that in the future because that's so interesting. 
Music is also calming. It reduces cortisol, which is our stress hormone. So it lowers our stress levels. It can even lower a heart rate and blood pressure. And it speaks to both the body and the mind. So I think that's really important because it helps us feel grounded and present. Because a lot of times when we're experiencing grief, at least my experience of grief is that I feel very separated mentally and physically sometimes. So this is a way to be fully present with our grief in our body and our mind through music. So music can impact our grieving because grief is more accessible through music. So like we were talking about before, in our culture, it's not really seen as appropriate necessarily to sit down and talk about your grief or your struggles unless it's like with a really good friend but it is acceptable to sing songs about heartbreak and grief without even needing to give any reason for it one other book i'm going to mention last one i promise is the book that i'm reading right now called wintering The Power of Rest and Retreat in Difficult Times. It's by a woman named Catherine May. And this book talks about the way that people don't really share what's going on with them. So this idea of wintering is this kind of hibernative space. Is that a word? I don't know. But this space that we go into when we are struggling and grieving And how important that time is, how important winter is. And our culture only wants to see, you know, like spring and summer. And when we ignore winter and we don't allow ourselves to experience winter to its fullest, we're depriving ourselves of that that full cycle of life and growth. And I think it's such a beautiful way of looking at it. It's a beautiful metaphor. And it's so true. We need to to be open about what is happening in our lives. And whether it's good things or bad things, we need to, to share all of it. And music provides a way for this to happen. It provides a way for people to come close to grief and to feel their sorrow in a way that feels safe to them. There was a study done in 2012 that showed that 12 to 18 year olds who participated in songwriting as part of um, their like grief therapy program had improved scores in their grief processing. There isn't a lot of research done in this area yet, so that was kind of a groundbreaking study and I think it's jump-started some other people kind of looking into this idea. And music yeah so music provides that safe space for us to experience loss the other nice thing about music is a song has a beginning and an end and grief can feel so all-encompassing and so it can feel eternal but if you're listening to a song that allows you to really sit with your grief and feel it when you come to the end of that song 
you do have a moment of movement in the way that your grief feels. So you can have an understanding in some small way of how grief can have these ebbs and flows to it that it might not feel like it does when you're first going through it. There's one final way that music can impact our grieving, and that is that music helps us honor our loved ones. So I had um, a four-year span of time where I lost, every year I lost someone important to me, with my godfather and then my grandfather and my grandmother and then my other grandmother and in that time I found music to be incredibly healing I was lucky to grow up in an environment where music was a way that my family connected my one grandmother was Welsh, and the Welsh have a really rich heritage of singing together and creating art and music. Um, and then my my grandfather was, he just, he loved music. He sang up until, like, the week before he died, he was singing in a church choir. And when he was passing away... Even when he couldn't speak anymore, he could still sing. I had the privilege to play at all of their funerals. Um, and at my godfather's, I played Danny Boy. And at my um, grandfather's, I played His Eyes on the Sparrow, which is a song that I heard my grandfather sing so many times. And I can like picture him singing it now. And at my grandmother's funeral, I played Mavanwi, which is a Welsh folk tune, and my grandmother's middle name was Mavanwi, and it was her favorite song. And to this day, when I hear those songs, or when I get the chance to play them, I, I feel closer to my grandparents. And you know, the grief, grief never really ends. It doesn't pass. I think the way that it lives in your body and the way that you experience it changes over time, but it's never, it's never gone. And I don't think I would want it to be gone because in that present moment, when I feel my grief, I feel so much thankfulness for my grandparents and for, you know, they were the people in my life who I have learned unconditional love from. And I'm forever grateful for that. To this day, music is still the way that I connect with my grandparents. It's the way that I can really kind of access my grief in the healthiest way. Um, I think about them on every gig. I think about them sitting there and listening to what I'm playing I have their pictures on on the wall in my studio so that when I'm practicing, I can look at them and remember how thankful I am. My grandfather, Pop-Pop, and my grandpa, Gigi, they 
paid for my violin lessons every two weeks when I was in high school. That's why I'm able to do what I do today because they believed in me and they prioritized music and they loved me and they wanted me to do what I wanted, what I love to do. And then my grandmother nine, my first violin was hanging on her wall when I was growing up and she gave that to me to use and she came to so many of my concerts and she believed in me. She would look at me and say, you have such talent. And she thought I played amazing no matter how many mistakes I made. And it was the most beautiful thing. I am so grateful for music and that I can connect to them in that way. Music also can kind of link itself to events. So if we have a memory of a song, um, that song can com- become completely changed through the loss of someone close to us or through a traumatic event. So sometimes that can be helpful. Sometimes you do have to be a little bit careful with that. But overall, music is just incredibly powerful. Grief is hard. Grief is a hard emotion to sit with. But honestly, I'm so grateful that I have people worth grieving. I've teared up (laughs) this episode and I'm so happy that I have. I've been blessed in my life to have that experience of unconditional love through the love of my grandparents and I honor them with my grief. I want to talk about them even if I feel like I'm going to cry the whole way through. I am honored to have the opportunity of another day alive where I can live well and love well and honor those that I grieve. I'm going to leave you with one more quote from Hartwood. It's one of the last lines in the book. And it says, If we carefully tend to our lives, watering the soil, minding the thorns, and nourishing the memories of our loved ones, we may come to understand grieving as a beautiful expression of love. I'm thinking about you this week. You're on my heart and in my meditations. And I hope that we can learn to grieve well. And I hope that we all have something very much worth grieving over. All right, my friends, have a beautiful, beautiful week. And remember, you are magic. Live in love. Thank you.